Today we're going to be reading from Galatians 5, 1 through 26. If you're using a pew Bible, that begins on page 1,221. You can also use your electronic devices. We encourage that. Um, And also make sure if you are watching our live feed that you share it and let other people know. Galatians 5, 1 through 26. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no, will be of no value to you, to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You, who are trying to be justified by law, have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. But by faith we, are, we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in... Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into into confusion will pay the penalty, whoever he may be. Brothers, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I... Am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. May God bless the reading of his word. All right. Well, does it feel like a fun day yet? 
Uh, did any of your kids have a heart attack when they pulled into the parking lot and saw bounce houses? Um, we are excited for this, and I thought, you know, what better sermon topic for a day that's supposed to be fun than to talk about uh, freedom from the law, right? <laughs> who wants, who wants, I mean, that sounds like fun, right? How many of you would identify as a rebel? You know, you, rebel without a cause. Anybody? Just kind of by nature, by personality, a few of you were willing to own, that's me, I'm a rebel. How many of you would be willing to say, yeah, no, I prefer just to do what the law says, I follow the rules? Yeah. Well, there's another kind of person, too. You know, I noticed some of you didn't raise your hand. Uh, there's the kind of person that likes to make the rules or enforce the rules on others. And so I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. We'll just know it's those that didn't already raise their hand. Uh, today we're talking about the law a little bit. And, uh, you know, there's uh, obviously American law, but, but if you go back in the Bible, there's the law that they talk about is usually the law of Moses, it's sometimes called. It's the, it's the law that God gave to the people through Moses. Uh, sometimes we think of the Ten Commandments, but there were a lot of other commands in there as well that went along with this thing they call the law. And by the time Jesus came around, they had laws about how to follow the laws. You know, it was, they, it was a complex legal system. And Jesus came and did a lot of teaching about how powerless the law was. He didn't go around bashing the law and saying, well, all that was, those were stupid ideas. You know, you forget the Ten Commandments, you, you know, that's, that, was, that was dumb. But what he did say was that those commandments are completely powerless. That's what he taught us. It's pretty amazing uh, that in his day and time, there was this group of people that were prominent in, in religious leadership in his day. They were called Pharisees, and they were very strict about the law. They believed in following all those commandments very well. And they went around teaching other people to do the same. And people would become disciples of these various Pharisee teachers of the law. Jesus was a teacher of the law. He was a rabbi, but he was very different. And he said, come and follow me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. He said that his yoke is easy, his burden is light. In that day they would talk about a teacher's yoke, like they had oxen, and you know, so that was an image they were familiar with, a, a burden that we put on an ox to keep it going where you want it to go. And so teachers would have a yoke. They would have their teaching about the law. And some of them had a very heavy yoke that kept you on the straight and narrow path. It was very strict, in other words, about the law and following the law. And Jesus said, come to me, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He was saying, I'm not legalistic like that. I'm not all about the law in that sense because... The law is powerless to do anything about you, your problem, your sin problem. And he would give examples. Uh, you know, he would teach. He would teach about things like murder. Thou shalt not murder. Obvious law. And Jesus took it a step further, though. He said, if you hate your brother, then you're guilty. Well, what was he saying? That the law is powerless. Because see, if, if the law is do not murder, that doesn't do anything to change a heart that wants to murder. 
It doesn't improve your level of evil at all. Your level of wickedness. It, it's powerless to change a person. It might modify your behavior a little bit, but it never gets to the root of the problem. The law might say, don't commit adultery. But it can't make you not lust over someone, as Jesus pointed out. In fact, what we find is that people are really good at finding loopholes in the law, aren't we? I mean, all the time you hear about uh, these companies that don't pay any taxes, or these rich people that don't pay any taxes, and it's like, yeah, they pay people to find loopholes in the law. But we all do the same thing. If there's a law that says, uh, you know, don't commit adultery, or, or in their like, let's take a biblical example, that don't commit adultery. Well, they found a loophole. It was called divorce. So when they wanted to cheat on their spouse, they just did it legally. They were doing that. Men, in particular, in Jesus' day, were using divorce as a tool to just break up and try another woman, break up, try another woman, break up, try another And so Jesus said, look, you're still committing adultery. You're just doing it the legal way. And that's the thing, is if you don't address the heart of a person, then you're not really changing anything. And the law is powerless to change anything. It can redirect your behavior again, but a wicked heart will always find the loophole. It will. It'll find a way to express itself. And Jesus made that clear. And that's why he said he came to bring a new kind of covenant. His death, we believe, fulfilled the old covenant. It fulfilled the, the, uh, the clause in there. It, it completed that covenant and started a new covenant. Jesus said when he shared that last supper with his disciples... This is my blood poured out for you for a new covenant. Brand new way of relating to God. So we are indeed free from legalism if we're in Christ. And this was a topic that came up a lot in the Bible. In fact, it comes up in the Old Testament. Prophets like Jeremiah who promised that someday God would write his law on people's hearts instead of on stone tablets. Meaning that instead of having this law written on the courtroom wall and you having to measure up to it uh, instead of that kind of system it was a system where he would write it on your heart he would change who you are at the core level you would become someone new who lived differently it's also found obviously in Jesus himself the Apostle Paul talked about it a lot but other letters in the New Testament do as well like from James or the book of Hebrews addresses this issue very clearly and directly. But I chose this passage, Galatians. I chose it because... Let's see if I can get this open. I chose it because Paul is kind of a unique case. He was a Pharisee. He was a legalist. He was self-righteous. He was all about following the law and obeying all the laws. Uh, he was so strict about the law that he believed these new Christians uh, deserved to be punished for their radical beliefs, that they ought to be dragged off to prison, even stoned to death. And he oversaw such things. He was zealous for the Lord, but it was a legalistic zealousness. 
So it's pretty shocking then that he was one of the, the clearest teachers on this subject, that we are free from law. And it's worth talking about because, uh, look, I, th I think that most people when they hear Christianity, they, they don't think freedom, do they? It sounds like the last thing, you know, but freedom. And unfortunately, they don't ever hear us talk about this subject. That not only are we free from sin, which may not feel like freedom when you're living in sin, but, in fact, you know, try to break out and see how it goes for you and you'll find out how free you are. But anyway, that aside, they don't hear us talk much about freedom from the law. And yet it's all across our pages. And the Apostle Paul was one of the biggest advocates. And there's a reason why. Paul had a special issue with this topic. And here's what would happen. See, the Apostle Paul was a church planter in the Roman Empire. He would go and, and preach the gospel in particular to Gentiles, pagans, people who had no Jewish background. All right? And he would share the gospel with them. They would come to faith in Christ. He would ask them to leave behind their pagan ways and follow Jesus instead. To stop going to pagan temples and doing pagan things. Start living the Jesus way. The way that Jesus taught. And so he would start this little church and then he'd go start another one. And this little group of new believers would be left behind to, with a basic knowledge of the gospel of Jesus to begin living this Christian life. And the Apostle Paul would check in on them from time to time. And he'd get reports from uh, fellow workers of the gospel that would go and visit them and then report to Paul what was going on. Because he couldn't be everywhere at once. And he had to go start a new church. And he didn't know how that church was doing. And so here's what started happening. There's this group of Jewish people that sometimes are called Judaizers because they'd go around trying to make Christians Jewish-ish. And so they call them Judaizers, like they're trying to make people Jewish. And so they would come behind Paul, find this new group of Christians that had just come out of a pagan life and were trying to follow Jesus, and start teaching them that they would need to follow all of the Jewish law if they wanted to be a Christian. I don't know what kind of argument they would use. Maybe they'd say, you know, Jesus was Jewish, and he followed the law, so you need to do it if you're going to follow Jesus. I don't know what, what they used in their argument, but the Apostle Paul was constantly having to come back and say, Look, you don't need to be circumcised. Look, you don't need to follow all the Jewish laws. Look, that system is dead. And it never worked to make people any better than they were before. In fact, let's just look at some of the things the Apostle Paul said about the law. He said, it's for freedom that Christ set us free. Stand firm then and don't let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And he's referring specifically to slavery to the law this time. He said, you who are trying to be justified by the law have then been alienated from Christ. You've fallen away from grace. You're trying to operate in a legalistic way. You're trying to follow all the rules to be right with God. And so in doing that, You've been alienated from Christ because that's not the Jesus way. He said, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? See Paul's frustration. Like, who are these losers that keep coming behind me and messing things up? In fact, he said, brothers and sisters, if I'm still preaching circumcision, which just stands for all the stuff that goes along with following the law, 
then why am I still being persecuted? Because Paul was being persecuted by these Jews who thought that he wasn't being Jewish enough. He said, in that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. And as for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate. Now that's something you don't read in church every day. Emasculate themselves. I won't make you use your imagination too long on that. Let's move on. <laughs> so Paul is very frustrated. Very frustrated at what keeps happening. When he leaves a place and someone comes in and tries to teach a different gospel. A gospel that says, you've got to follow these rules to be right with God. And so, he wrote this letter. He wrote this letter and he's, he begins to lay out his case for why we have freedom in Christ and why that is critical if we're ever going to be free in Christ from even sin. The law is not your pathway to freedom from sin. Never has been. Never will be. He said, you my brothers and sisters were called to be free. But don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. So Paul received a lot of criticism from people who said, if you tell people they're going to be free from the law, then they're just going to go off sinning all the time. And how is that very Jesus-y? Well... So Paul would write things constantly like, yes, you're free from the law, but don't use that freedom. Don't take advantage of that freedom. Don't let your flesh, the part of you corrupted by sin, take advantage of that freedom to just go off sinning. Instead, work on the one command that Jesus left us. Love your neighbor as yourself. And I know there's got to be part of us that says, okay, you say we're free from the law, and then here you come with your one law, your one command. You say, we don't, you know, we don't have to worry about the law, and then here it is, the law. And yes, Jesus gave us a law. One command, Jesus repeatedly said, he gave us, to love one another as I have loved you, Jesus said. it. To love your neighbor as yourself. It was another way he said it. I was thinking about that. And I realized that's not a very good law as far as laws go. I mean, a good law in the sense that uh, it's able, you're able to enforce it. Like, do not murder is a good law. If you kill somebody, then everyone knows you broke the law. Time to be punished. Right? Pay your taxes is a good law as far as I mean, not one that we enjoy. I'm not talking about enjoyable laws. I'm saying it's a good law because uh, if you don't pay your taxes, then the IRS hunts you down until the day you die. It works. But then there's other things you could try and outlaw, but they're just they're hard to, hard to uh, enforce, right? So, like, for instance, most of us would agree that racism is evil. And yet that's a hard one to make a law about. There's not a law in the books that says thou shall not be racist. At least not in the U.S. Now, if you're following Jesus, uh, it's pretty obvious that you can't 
hold that belief and follow Jesus effectively. But, but imagine if the United States just said, don't be racist. Well, how in the world is that enforceable? And that's part of what people are trying to figure out right now. And you're hearing a lot of ideas being put forward and rejected by some and accepted by others. You know, like hate speech. You know, what kind of speech would indicate that you are being racist and how can we outlaw that? Uh, what kind of, you know, what kind of behavior might be racist and can we outlaw that? Uh, but you can't just say we outlaw racism because that's something someone has within them or doesn't have within them, right? And so it's not a very, it wouldn't be a very good law. Well, love is kind of the same way. You can say love. How do you enforce that? Police going to knock on your door? We heard you were mean to your neighbor. <laughs> oh, but it was, in, it was out of love, officer. <laughs> they just needed some tough love. You know? How in the world would you enforce that? It's, it's not a good law as far as that goes, enforceability. And yet it was the one law that Jesus gave. should tell you right there that the Jesus system is different than a legalistic system. There's not a, a series of hoops you can jump through to get right with God if you're following Jesus. Instead, the pathway is to follow Jesus in loving God and loving neighbor the way Jesus loved God and loved neighbor. It's a, a journey you go on. The Apostle Paul said it this way, if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Because you're under a different system. So he contrasted led by the Spirit as opposite of being under the law. Or this way, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. See, people tend to think that there's two options. There's two options. You can follow the rules or you can be a rebel and not follow the rules. And Jesus offers a third option. Follow me. He said, following the rules is never going to change you. Just being a rebel against the rules is going to end in your destruction. So follow me. Be led by my spirit. Live by my spirit. And so we say this, and if you want to fill out your note card, this is it. Freedom comes by following the Spirit, not the rules. Freedom comes by following the Spirit, not the rules. Without the Spirit leading us, then what in the world are we doing? Without the Spirit, without following Him, what are we doing? If we don't include the Spirit and His leadership in our Christian faith, then what we in fact have is just Judaism with some extra forgiveness, maybe a better sacrifice. Jesus, the better sacrifice. We have a greater source for forgiveness. We don't have to offer regular sacrifices like they did in the Old Testament. Because Jesus is a better sacrifice. But we're no different. That's what we're left with. If we're not being led by the Spirit into something new. 
Scripture talks about freedom all the time. The New Testament Scriptures. Our freedom in Christ. Predominantly, it's talking about our freedom from sin. And for the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about freedom from sin. And specifically, two areas of, of life. And it's, next week's not going to be popular. I'm just going to step out there by it, and I, I think that it may be the least popular message I've ever preached. So if that's not reason to come and hear what I'm talking about and see how unpopular I get, then, you know. So come on back next week and discover uh, just how unpopular a preacher can get and how fast. We're going to talk about freedom from sin and specifically some areas that, man, we really struggle with in our society. But you can't get to that point. You can't get free from sin until you're free from the law. Because as long as you're under the law, you'll never be free from sin. In fact, the Apostle Paul said that the purpose that the law served in regard to sin was to highlight it. To imprison you in it. These are words he used. To describe what the law does. And if you think about it, that's exactly what the law does. If you're not under the law... You're just out there doing your own thing. You're, you know, a pagan, for instance, in his day, that had never heard of the law, and you're just out there living in sin. Like, you don't even really, I mean, maybe your conscience tells you something, but it's not pointed out to you clearly, here's where you're going wrong, right? But then the law comes along and says, yeah, you're not doing this right, you're not doing that right, you're not doing that right, and you're powerless to follow all these laws and you have a constant reminder. And in the Jewish system you had a constant reminder because you were constantly having to offer sacrifices from the best of your wealth, from the best of your animals, laying them down as some kind of sin offering. You had to have a priest that would go into the Holy of Holies and offer this sin offering to say, you know, please forgive these people because they just can't stop sinning. It was a constant reminder. And that's what the law did. It reminded us that we are powerless in and of ourselves to become free from the sin that has entrapped us, ensnared us, and is corrupting our bodies and corrupting our societies, and ultimately that leads us to death. So how do we follow the Spirit? How are we led by the Spirit into freedom from the law and freedom from sin? Most Christians either try hard, or they sit back and trust God to do it. Those are the Christians I've observed. That's been my personal experience. Either we try hard to follow Jesus in our own effort to do his teachings. Or we sit back and say, the law proved I can't do it. So I'm just going to trust him to zap me when he's ready. <laughs> or, you know, when I get to heaven, I'm sure it'll be good. That's where most of us are. We're either we're bound up trying to follow the rules and we're constantly feeling guilty when we don't and burdened when we don't or we're just sitting back saying, well, I'm just going to do me until the Holy Spirit zaps me or takes me to heaven. And that's where most of us live. But that's not what the Apostle Paul meant when he said we need to follow the Spirit, live by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit. That's not what Jesus meant. When he said that the Father would send the Spirit so we could live by the Spirit. The Spirit's there to give us real freedom. Real freedom from sin that was never possible before. 
And yes, it's by his power that this happens, but that doesn't mean it's not, uh, that it doesn't involve our effort, right? That it doesn't involve some effort on our part. When you look at how God works, it's always his power that gets big things done. But there's always people involved doing something. They're not just sitting back sipping lemonade while God does all the stuff around them, right? He's got a job for you to do. Follow. Be led by. Live in the Spirit. This obviously means that we should be doing something. James said, the, the brother of Jesus, if you'll draw near to God, God will draw near to you. Jesus said, uh, you'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. There's something we're supposed to do. I thought about this verse, and I think we'll just walk through this real quick, as a way of sorting through what, what do you need to do this week, where, in your life, where you're at right now, to be led by the Spirit, to live by the Spirit. Jesus said, if anyone hears my voice, have you heard his voice? I think you have, or you probably wouldn't be sitting here. I believe he called us into this space today. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, that's an action step. Have you opened the door? Have you opened the door a little bit? <laughs> have you cracked it open? Have you opened the door? Have you, did you open the door and then shut it back? Or are you trying to keep some doors shut and other doors open? If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him. Eat with him. That's obviously a metaphor, but yeah, eating with someone. What do you do when you want to connect with somebody? You sit down and share a meal. When you want to connect with your boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse, you go on a date, you sit down at some restaurant, just the two of you, and you look all googly-eyed at each other. And you feel connected. What do you do when you want to connect with a friend? You sit down over coffee or lunch. You say, let's do lunch. And so this is a, it's a metaphor. It's a, Jesus, obviously the Spirit, His Spirit, we're not going to sit down and eat bread with a Spirit, but you're a spiritual being as well. You're not just flesh and blood, and you can interact with the spiritual. But you, it means you have to sit down with the Spirit sometime. Spend time with the Spirit. He said, He'll come in to eat, uh, come in, I will come into Him and eat with Him, and He with me. Let me just read the whole thing again. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into Him and eat with Him, and He with me. You've got to sit down. You gotta pull up a chair. You gotta set your phone down. You gotta turn off the TV. You have to say no to some things to say yes to time with Jesus. If you wanna be led by Him, if you wanna live by His Spirit, if you wanna know Him, we have to spend time with Him. And you need the body of Christ. 
Goodness knows we're not perfect, but we are being perfected. And we are the hands and feet of Jesus. And there's something about gathering with God's people that is very much meeting with the Spirit. And the Spirit is here with us. Amongst us. This morning, I woke up and I did my little daily routine. I've got this little devotional book. It's called A Daily Light. And this year, I've been going through it again. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's got little readings, short readings. I'll show you. They have a little bold verse up at the top. Can you read it? Huh? No. <laughs> they have a little bold verse up at the top that's like a theme verse and then a group of scripture from, gathered from all over the Bible that deal with that topic. It's kind of like a little devotion just pulled from scripture. And there's a little one for the morning and a little one for the evening. And I've been trying to do every morning and night this year since January 1st. And today, I opened it up. I mean, so if you think about it, 365 days, right? Times two. Do that math. 730, is that right? So there's a lot of readings in here. I woke up this morning, and this is what the theme verse said. Sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. And I kept going. And it just kept talking about how we're free from the law. Free from the law, free from the law, free from the law. And it ended with Galatians 5.1 that we read today. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. It's not like every other day they're talking about freedom from the law in here. You know, like all the verses from all these different books were contained in today's reading from Romans and 1 Corinthians and all over. Freedom from the law. I want you to take a moment and just imagine your life free from the law. Free from legalism. A system that says you have to do X, Y, Z to be right with God. Because that system will never make you right. It has no power to change you. The Spirit has the power to change you. So imagine for a moment a Christian life not defined by the rules you need to follow, but defined by the work of God's Spirit giving new life every morning. Imagine for a moment finding increasing freedom from the feeling that you can't measure up. Freedom from trying to be good enough, successful enough. Imagine a life characterized by peace and by joy because you're resting in a good relationship in blessed assurance with your Creator. Imagine a life that daily experiences more of the fruit of the Spirit, what the Spirit produces in the life of someone following would you like to become a more loving person, a more kind person, good, self-controlled? You can't find it by following a set of rules, but you can find it in being with Jesus. I don't know where you're at today, if you've accepted Jesus, if you've opened the door to Him, 
as he knocked at your heart. But if not, that's step one. And I ask that you would do that today and begin to follow Jesus. Maybe you opened the door to him a long time ago, but it's been a while since you sat down at the table with him. Maybe you'd do that right now. If you want a quiet time just to sit, you can sit there where you're at. You can come to an altar and just be still and pray. But take a moment. I'm going to sing a song called uh, if, you, if, if I Could Just Sit With You a While. And it's your opportunity just to sit with Jesus for a little while. But don't let that opportunity stop here. Don't wait for next Sunday to roll around before you spend some time again being led by His Spirit. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the Jesus way, for freedom in Christ. God, we have a tendency to gravitate, gravitate towards rules and towards legalism. I don't know why we do that. But Spirit, we want to be with you. We want to be led by you. We want to live in your power and not in our own. Come and sit with us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.